ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. We have one of my favorite recurring guests on today. Uh, we call these episodes Checkpoint Charlie. We have the great Charles Pierce from Massachusetts on, liberal blogger, author, sports guy, loves the who. I think he's a bit of a uh, Star Trek fanatic as well. We've got a lot to talk about, and we're always uh, uh, honored to have the great Charlie Pierce on. Charlie, how are you doing today? Fine, Paul. How are you doing? Is spring finally coming to the Twin Cities or not? It is. The ice uh, finally left us last week. It's 42 degrees. The sun's out. It feels tropical. Well, you got the big weekend this weekend, too. You got the Final Four coming there. Oh, yeah, and it's nuts. I mean, uh, I actually had to go pick up uh, I, my uh, I pick up my prescriptions, my medicine, uh, right around the corner from the uh, the uh, BMF that is the U.S. Bank Stadium, and uh, there was a lot of activity there. Uh, tough to park, but it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, you are... It's crazy about you, you college hoops guys, because in my mind, there's so many teams you have to cover. How do you keep it all straight? Well, I mean, it, it's something that's been, you know, on my on on the radar of my affection since I was very young. So mm -hmm. I've, I've gotten, a, you know, and then, of course, I went to school. Uh, I went to college in Milwaukee at Marquette, which at the time was a real power. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I mean, I've just followed it. And then I caught, you know, I was a sports writer for seven years. Uh, full time, and it just was just something I, I, I developed an interest in. Uh, it's and obviously it's easier to do it now because of the technology, but you know, and, and I think a lot of the charm of a lot of the charm of the Final Four events have gone has gone out as it's gotten more corporatized. Yeah, uh, and you know, you know, more uh, influenced by television and the what they call their their corporate partners. But uh, I think at at bottom, I still think it's 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 the closest thing we have to a world to, to World Cup soccer huh. is the NCAA tournament in terms of how it engages people who wouldn't otherwise care. And so, uh, uh, I don't follow it as closely as you, but I believe Duke is out, and which a lot of people are happy for. Correct? Uh, yes, a lot of people a lot a lot of people find that. Uh, you know, a, 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 a very, a very happy development. Right. They're kind of like the Patriots of the uh, college hoop scene, right? Yeah. The Patriots, the Yankees, yeah. you know, the Trump administration. Say, <laughs> uh, the I uh, I was writing down ideas of what I want to talk to you about, and then it uh, goes completely the other way. But uh, <laughs> somebody uh, somebody posted on Facebook uh, several days ago. Uh, uh, beautiful story you wrote, uh, I believe, right after the death of the great uh, Levon Helm, the uh, the drummer and uh, singer of the band and uh, one of America's greatest musicians. And uh, let's talk a little bit about that time that uh, we all, you and I are about the same age, uh, when we heard the band's first record. Yeah, I mean, I, I I was surprised. I started getting emails about that piece again this week, and I, obviously it, it had popped up somewhere. Uh, I, I you know I, I just I remember the first time I, I I heard music from Big Pink. It was it didn't sound like anything I'd ever heard before. Mm -hmm. I mean, it didn't sound like any kind of music I'd ever heard before. Right. It didn't sound. It didn't even sound like it was. It it, it sounded like something that somebody had pulled out of the 1930s. Right. Right. Some backwoods one microphone you know, radio studio, you know, out in the plane somewhere. Yeah, and then you had, uh, when you got to know and, and finally see pictures of the band, they looked like it was, it, you know, it could have been, uh, you know, some of those photos that uh, Elliot Landy took, uh, the black and white ones, man, it could have been on a Civil War battlefield somewhere. Yeah, it did. I mean, it, it was really funny. They were they were very conscious of of. Of and I, you know, I, I, it, I, I don't want to imply that there's you know massive calculation behind this, but they were very conscious of of, of this you know kind of rough hewn, uh, you know, we we make our own music uh, and we don't you know we don't let anybody mess with it image and of course they're up in upstate New York which is really rural mm -hmm. and uh, uh, you know they had that Dan Elliott Landy's a great photographer so they were able to cement an image pretty quick and uh, you wrote nicely about the picture uh, 
that they had. Now, you know, you put back in the time, 66, 67, 68, when it, the whole music scene was psychedelicized, you know, uh, Sergeant Pepper and Jimi Hendrix. And then you had these, these uh, cats that looked like a bunch of lo yokels. And the picture in the record was with their family, which was like back yeah, then. It was like, born. <laughs> yeah, like back then it was like you gotta, you know, don't trust anybody over thirty and kill your mom and dad, you know. Yeah, and and that that was something they deliberately they do, you know, if you read any of the memoirs or or Barney Hoskins's book or any of the, of, of the other stuff, that was something they consciously decided to swim against. Yeah, that that particular tide, and you know, it was it was really quite remarkable. Uh, and what I think, you know, the, the lasting, it, it, the lasting impact I, that I think they had was the impact they had on other musicians. Yes, exactly. I mean, they really, sh I mean, they really, you know, they really shook up the zeitgeist among, among, you know, musicians. You, you know, subsequently you had Working Man's Dead. You had even Sticky Fingers has got their influence on it. Sure. Uh, everybody went back. And of course, Eric Clapton famously showed up and, and Socrates and wanted to join the group. <laughs> Which I would have been all George for, Harrison actually. Was, George Harrison was enormously uh, influenced by them and admitted it. All, all the musicians admitted it. Well, and two, then you read, uh, you get in the backstory of what uh, those guys like to party. And, uh, oh, yeah. you know, and Richard Manuel, there's no, there's, there was no greater uh, falsetto singer in rock and roll than Richard Manuel. And not only was he a great piano player, he was Levon Helm's favorite drummer. And uh, you and I were... Uh, uh, emailing each other uh, a couple yeah. months ago about that behind the music thing with the second record, the band, and yeah. to when they broke that stuff down, and you would just hear like Manuel's drumming, right, or or yeah. Levon's mandolin part. <laughs> it was pure magic. Well, not just that, but when you watch the, you know, they would they would in concert they would finish a number, and then. Everybody would get up and move to another instrument. <laughs> right, right. You know, right. especially you know, you know, you know it, it, on Rag Mama Rag or the Wait. On the on the Wait, Garth would move to the piano. Mm -hmm. Richard would move to the organ. Right. On Rag Mama Rag, Levon would move to the mandolin. Right, <laughs> I mean, right. It was, it was insane. Yeah, it, no, no, just incredible. Uh, one of the great, you know, Richard Manuel of course, left this world tragically, but he was his own man, and according to Rick Danko, uh, he was just going to burn through his money until it was all gone, but one of the great stories I remember about Manuel was he, yeah, like myself, a bachelor, probably didn't keep his home like myself, as kept up as, uh, as we should have, but he was, I think it was partly, uh, he didn't like to do dishes and wanted to save time, but he used to cook his steaks uh, with an iron on an iron ironing board. Yeah, on a, on a, with a flat iron. You yeah. cook many steaks with a flat iron, yeah. And, and uh, yeah, and, 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 uh, follow, follow those steaks down with, with, uh, glass after glass at Grand Marnier. Yeah, that was, that was, that was his monkey, which eventually I think probably killed him. Yeah, uh, but you, you, you know, know he's living in it. Go ahead. No, no, he was living in a cottage, I guess, on the beach out in California. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, no, he uh, obviously, I mean, he took his own life. Yeah. Uh, subsequently, of course, Danko had a heart attack. Yeah. And, you know, Levon lost everything in a fire and then rebuilt his career. Right. And then, uh, and then I think went bankrupt at a certain point. Yeah. I mean, and then, and then you know, he started doing the Midnight Ramble, which I one of the, my great regrets of my life is I never got up there to see one of those. Uh, you know, he rebuilt his whole, you know, he won a, you know, he won a couple of Grammys yep. while he was really sick and he rebuilt, if not his fortune, his, certainly his musical reputation. Everybody wanted to play with the guy. Yeah. Well, and you wrote, uh, in that piece in 2012, Charlie Pierce, you, uh, uh, wrote a great little story about when, when you bought him a beer, where was that <laughs> was gig? At the, there was a place, yeah, there's a place called Jonathan Swift's, which was a sure. below the sidewalk joint in Harvard Square. And I went with a friend of mine, and I went and saw Levon, and Levon was appearing with his cousins, the Cape Brothers, who who could really play. The yeah. Cape Brothers were good. Oh yeah. And you know, I, I turned to my friend about you know maybe two maybe eight or ten songs into the set, and I said, you know, we should really buy Levon a beer. <laughs> so I got the waitress who happened to be somebody I knew, and I said, you know, give Levon a you know, pour a Budweiser, give Levon one. So she, you know, she woke, you know, went over, got the beer, walked up to, you know, a small place so that 
there was no, you know, there's no orchestra pit between the the audience and the stage. Handed it to Levon and you know told him in his ear who had given it to him. He pulls like you know three quarters of the beer down at one gulp, <laughs> touches the drumstick to his forehead and says, "Thank you, neighbor." <laughs> I felt like the Pope had blessed me, you know? <laughs> well, he did, actually, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, I mean, it was, it was really, an, a, it's, a, it's a lovely moment that stayed with me for a long time. Well, it was fun reading about it. I saw LeVon Helm maybe a little uh, over a year before he passed. He had about a 10-piece band with his daughter and, and uh, uh, oh, God, who's the great guitar player? Larry. Um Played with Dylan for a long time. Anyway, it was a great band, and at the Fitzgerald Theater in St. Paul, and I had seats mm -hmm. five rows in front of him, and he was set up on stage left, and it was a master class in drumming. Really? There's there. It that wasn't style of music. Point, yeah, it was Chick yeah. Webb. It was Buddy Rich. It was, uh, uh, you know, anybody who played with Muddy Watts. Any style of drumming he incorporated uh, throughout that night. We've got Charlie Pierce on the Wall of Power Radio. We're going to listen to a little bit of Levon Helm and be back with Mr. Pierce. Larry the Campbell. Is the guy's name. Larry Campbell. There you go. With a guitar player. Yeah, a phenomenal guitar player and cool cat. source of the Twin Cities Gay Scene is all digital. Follow Twin Cities Gay Scene on Facebook and Twitter. Sign up for the Scene Shot email blast for weekly updates and chances to win great prizes. No app is needed to view the bi-weekly web editions of Scene. It's GLBTQ media for the mobile generation. Find it all at TwinCitiesGayScene.com That's TwinCitiesGayScene.com Crazy about pets? We are too. The Pet Connection Show is a great venue for fun, informative, and creative conversations about pets. Join myself, Kathy Menard, and Dr. Nicole Parole, along with guests who are leaders in the dynamic and growing pet industry, as we discuss healthcare, relationships, behaviors, and even political issues as they relate to our pets. So come, sit, stay for the Pet Connection Show, Sundays 11 a.m. to noon on AM 950 Radio, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Supporting the best local and independently owned restaurants in the Twin Cities has never been easier. You'll find an expansive list of local dining options at eatlocalminnesota.com, from classic American comfort food to authentic flavors from around the world. Cafe Latte offers made-from-scratch soups, salads, sandwiches, and mouth-watering desserts. Stop in the wine bar and enjoy a unique pizza loaded with fresh vegetables and perfectly roasted meats. Over 30 wines by the glass, Cafe Latte highlights Washington State wines and is the perfect destination for date night or an evening with friends. 850 Grand Avenue, St. Paul. Victor's 1959 Cafe has been serving South Minneapolis traditional Cuban food for over 15 years. Victor's is open for breakfast and lunch daily and now accepts dinner reservations too. Stop in and try the Pollo Tropicale or the Sandwich Cubano, which was featured on Food Network. More at eatlocalminnesota.com. This is Gregory Rich, founder of Habitation Furnishing and Design and host of Drink in the Style every Sunday at 5 p.m. You know, I'm often asked what kind of furniture Habitation offers. Now, I can go two ways with this. I can say something like, Habitation specializes in warm, modern, raw, industrial, and organic contemporary home furnishings. 
But what does that mean? It means that we have some really cool stuff, and that is the answer that usually goes over better. But cool doesn't mean crazy. And I'm proud to say that everything we offer at Habitation is functional and comfortable. The type of furniture that will allow you to express yourself, but still works every day. So there it is. Habitation Furnishing and Design, 4317 Excelsior Boulevard in St. Louis Park. It's the Twin Cities' best furniture and design showroom. Welcome back to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metza. My guest via the phone in Massachusetts, the great Charles Pierce. We were talking about the band for most of the first set on the show tonight. And, uh, Charlie, you were going to tell us about some new stuff you're listening to. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of, you know, there's a couple of things that, 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 that they may have been out for a few, for a few weeks and I just can't, they just came to my attention. But the first is is that Steve Earle, who has done a, who did a Towns Van Zant tribute album, right after Towns passed, has now done a Guy Clark tribute album. Uh, and since Guy, since Guy Clark is one of my favorite American songwriters, I heard some of it over the weekend, and it's very very good. Uh, you know, and he, he takes on the you know he takes on the, the the masterpieces. He takes on Desperados Waiting for a Train and L.A. Freeway, and then goes into the catalog a little bit. And the other one is the release of the album that Marvin Gaye made between uh, What's Going On and Let's Get It On. Right. Which is more of a sequel to What's Going On called You're the Man. And it is just absolutely magnificent. It, it's, I think it's the, be it's the best record of the year, and it would have been the best record of the year in 1973. I wow. Mean, he's at the top of his form. He's still using the musicians from What's Going On. He's, it's, much, it's actually more political than what's going on. Huh. Uh, and, you know, I mean, and, you know, it's further proof, as I, as I wrote the other day, James Jamerson is, is a bass guitar god. Oh, my God, absolutely. So flipping good. Absolutely. Um, there was a great uh, uh, little bit uh, from a Marvin Gaye recording session back in the early 70s. I don't know if it was the song that they were playing actually made the record, but it was so cool. There's Marvin in a tracksuit laying down, laying down on the bench on a pillow, singing his ass off. You know, <laughs> it was so effortless. Yeah, well, that was the thing, and and, and of course, you know, the famous story, the famous story about what's going on is that Barry Gordy didn't want to release it mm -hmm. uh, because it was too political and the music was too weird, and and of course, Marvin stood his ground. Yeah, and wound up with you wound up with one of the great albums of that era, great one of the great pop albums of all time, and this one, I'll tell you, this you're the man is not far behind. Wow. Uh, I mean, it really, it really, he's an incredible voice. I mean, he's just in, you know, he's in top form singing and. You know, the the song, You're the Man, the title track, which apparently he released as a single and it flopped, and that's why he didn't release the album. Huh. Uh, but it, it, it's a sequel. It, it's obviously a sequel uh, musically and lyrically to Inner City Blues from, from what's going on. Wow. And, I, I'm, and it, it, it's an extraordinary piece of work. And, and, you know, the fact that it's finally out there is a tribute to, you know, whoever our musical archives, archivists are this year. Yeah, well... I, and that's actually in the stores. I could leave the station and go pick it up. Yeah, I believe so. And you could pick up the Guy Clark one too. I will. And you know, Steve, Steve Earle's just a terrific musician. I well, mean, he's just he's just a great guy. Well, every time and, I hear uh, the beginning, you know, he obviously res he respects his 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 influence. Yeah. Well, and um, that uh, the song Dublin Blues. Every time I hear that, I want to go get a margarita. Uh, at the Chili Parlor Bar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the first track. That's the first. That's the first track on the album, actually. Fantastic, you know. And it's it's the track that got played on uh, on uh, Alamo Jack show on on Outlaw Country, the essential uh, satellite radio uh, program. Uh, and I heard it on Saturday. I heard I heard Dublin Blues, and I thought, wow, I didn't know this was coming. I had uh, 
Tamara Saviano, who uh, wrote the book Without Getting Killed or Caught. Have you read that? Yeah. Uh, no, I haven't. Oh, it's phenomenal. I had her on the radio show a couple years ago when it came out. She's working on a documentary now uh, based on the book. I had one of the most amazing nights of my life back in the early 90s. I, w I had a um, Tuesday night residency on the uh, West Bank, Minneapolis, and I was playing, and I was on the break, and Towns Van Zandt and Guy Clark stumbled in, and I mean stumbled with a capital S. Those guys on a <laughs> night off could throw down. And they said, we're looking for Spider John Kerner. And I said, it's your lucky night, guys. He's bartending across the street at Palmer's Bar. And uh, <laughs> so they went over there. I got done with my gig. I went over. Uh, they were staying at the Radisson Hotel in downtown Minneapolis. So I uh, uh, stole a, well, I think I, you couldn't buy a bottle of whiskey at, the, at, at, at midnight, but I was able to shuffle one out of uh, the Five Corners Bar. And the four of us ended up in a hotel room uh, until about three or four in the morning passing the guitar around. Now, Charlie, this is Towns Van Zandt, Guy Clark, and Spider John Kerner, three of the guys that will be on the Mount Rushmore of folk whenever they carve that, those stones out. But uh, so that guitar would go around, I'd get it, I'd play every third song. Okay. You know, because I mean, you know, this is pretty heavy duty company, right? And so I played one tune, and a new tune I'd written called uh, Baby Can't We Just Pretend, and, and Towns was going to have none of it. Uh, he just, <laughs> just, it just ripped me to pieces. And so... Uh, I said, all right, I'll, I'll get it on the next go around. And, and the, I remember that night because if, if anybody swore, Towns would go, no cussing, no cussing. He just, it was, <laughs> it was just this crazy, crazy thing. And so finally the guitar uh, came back to me and I played uh, Jack Ruby. And then uh, I got yeah. the nod from the boys. That felt really good, really good. Well, there you go. I mean, it's a Texas-based song. So. <laughs> yeah, but it was funny because I bumped into... Uh, Spider John Kerner, not uh, over the years, who's kind of semi-retired now, and uh, he'd always say, "Man, it was tough trying to tough trying to keep up with those Texas boys." <laughs> no, I mean, it, I mean, it, you know, I mean, I remember at I remember seeing the video of Towns's funeral, and of course, Guy Clark gave up, you know, got up and gave a eulogy and played a song and the first thing he said was you know i've been i've been rehearsing for this gig for 15 years <laughs> yeah those guys were thick as thieves you gotta get uh without getting uh killed or caught you're gonna uh yeah i just i just i just, go I just googled it on my phone i didn't even know it existed oh man it's it, it's just phenomenal see speaking of spider john kerner did you ever uh you know uh get to see spider john he used to play the plow and store in cambridge all the time oh yeah i mean i, I mean we all you know back in my days as an alternative journalist, we they never paid us very much money, but they paid us in tickets and stuff. And he was always kicking around. Bonnie Raitt was, you know, and of course, famously, you know, that was where Van Morrison hung out while he was writing Actual Weeks with the Plow, right? Which is really one of the only old school music clubs left in Cambridge. Everything else has been, you know, disnified and Times Squareized around around Harvard Square. But the plow remains. The plow is uh, is is a you know an unstoppable venue. I was there. A friend of mine was getting married in Boston, and so the party was the night before, and I hadn't seen a, a mutual friend. And we got pretty lit. We ended up at the Plow and Star. And uh, against my better judgment, I said, "I'm going to see if I can." sit in on a tune. So the guy was nice enough, gave me a guitar, and I played. I don't remember a lot of it. I asked my buddy at the end, I said, how did I do? He said, well, let's put it this way, Matt. So he says, uh, you pulled it together by the end, and you didn't drop the guitar. Well, there you go. See, you have to, a guy's got to have, a man's got to have standards. <laughs> We've got uh, Charles Pearson uh, for the whole show down in the Wall of Power Radio. This is your host, Paul Metza, and, uh, we could talk music all day long, but uh, Charlie is my uh, political therapist, so we're going to get into politics uh, for the second uh, half of the show here. We'll be back uh, after some music and these messages. In the chili parlor bar, drinking mad dog margaritas and not caring where you are. Here I sit in Dublin. Just roll 
cigarettes Holding back and choking back the shakes with every breath So forgive me all my anger Forgive me all my faults There's no need to forgive me For thinking what I thought I loved you from the get-go And I'll love you till I die Dog Company exists for people who are serious about their dogs. People who want the best nutrition and the best gear for their dogs. Total Dog Company's mission is to provide high-quality, practical food and gear for dogs and only dogs. Nothing frou-frou or frivolous. Nothing with suspect ingredients. No cat food or wild bird food. Totally dog. From head to wagging tail. Find us in New Hope off of 169 at 9432 36th Avenue North and at TotalDogCompany.com. I'm Richard R.J. Eskow, and this week on the Zero Hour, reviewing the Mueller papers with Ryan Grimm, why Medicare for America is not Medicare for all and not for you, repercussions of Russiagate, and feel-good stories about starving children, all this and more on the Zero Hour, every Sunday night from 9 till midnight on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's Greek to Me has big news. They are now open for lunch, Tuesday through Sunday from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. That's right, you asked and they listened. Enjoy lunch amongst their new marketplace. If you can't join them in-house, make sure to check out their delivery services and remember them for your home or office takeout and catering. Visit It's Greek to Me on the corner of Lake and Lindale in Minneapolis at 626 West Lake Street in Minneapolis or at www.itsgreektomemn.com. This is New Beginnings, hosted by award-winning broadcaster and speaker, Freddie Bell. Freddie, this generation of the baby boomers, people are living longer, so the baby boomers are taking care of elderly parents. Let's talk about your health, and specifically, let's talk about Medicare. Our show features the concerns of America's 78 million baby boomers in employment, finance, health and nutrition, and even entertainment. Catch New Beginnings with Freddie Bell, Saturdays at 11 on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. April showers bring May flowers, but make sure no flowers are growing out of your carpet this spring. You know that bacteria and allergens build up in your carpeting, crushing hopes and dreams of healthy indoor air. Only my friends at Zero Res clean with healthy, clean-powered water. Call Zero Res right now, 952-ZERO-RES, or go online at ZeroResMinnesota.com and tell them you want the AM950 special. Zero Res, spell it backward or forward, it spells the same. humans this is me ellie krug with ellie 2.0 radio news flash about my show it's now an hour long running from 7 to 8 a.m every monday the longer time slot will allow for interviews of idealists doing important work in the world ellie 2.0 radio listen every monday from 7 to 8 a.m my show it's engaging and real and it's on am 950 the progressive voice of minnesota with your AM950 weather, I'm Sam Turnberg. Tonight is cloudy with a low around 55. Tomorrow showers are likely with a high near 65. Monday mostly sunny with a high near 68. Tuesday mostly sunny with a high near 55. And Wednesday chance of rain with a high near 44. The Eat Local Minnesota Restaurant of the Week is Hazel's Northeast. For classically inspired, creatively prepared comfort food, come enjoy dishes such as Swedish meatballs, pesto chicken, and fish and chips. Visit them on 29th and Johnson in Northeast Minneapolis. More info at eatlocalminnesota.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metza. Checkpoint Charlie on the show, Mr. Charlie Pierce, all the way uh, from... Massachusetts, we uh, his fourth appearance. Uh, we love having him, and I promised that we were going to get to politics. But when Pierce and I talk, it's music, then hockey, <laughs> then politics. Charlie, did you see that picture of me and Bobby Orr? I did. That was really something. He came to your uh, camp, right? Yeah, well, he you was went to his camp. No, it was a, it was the Tommy Williams hockey camp. 1968. Tommy Williams, first American-born player in the NHL. Yep, and a Duluth native. So he put it together. So I put that picture up on Facebook, and uh, I knew there was a couple other uh, esteemed uh, hockey players. 
buddy of mine who was there chimed in and he said uh, the other two, um, actually there was a handful of uh, great hockey players, but both Tony and Phil Esposito were coaches at the camp. No kidding. Yeah. They must have come along with, uh, with Orr. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's, no, that's, that's top of the line stuff for that. How old were you? Uh, 12 years picture. old, 12 years old. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that was, uh, shaking. Was before the you, uh, put down the stick and pick up the guitar, <laughs> or were you already playing? Well, no, I was uh, playing, but I was really, I really loved playing hockey, but I never thought, you know, I was that good. I mean, I loved to yeah. play, but I knew I wasn't that good. But then, you know, in retrospect, I was playing with, uh, you know, scrimmaging and uh, playing outdoor hockey with the Carlson brothers. Uh, uh, Boo Harrington uh, used to play with him. He was a year younger. He ended up on the 1980 Olympic team. Uh, so I was surrounded by really, it was kind of the goal, really in a way, maybe the last golden age of Iron Range hockey. So uh, I still, I, you know, I made the right decision. I would have, I would have been uh, riding the pines, as they say, as, uh, as I got older. But uh, yeah, the great... Bobby Orr, one of the nicest. Did you ever get a chance to meet Bobby? Yeah, I have. He, Bobby's a, a, a terrific guy. And he's a sports Very agent now, right? Canadian. Yeah. What? Is he a sports agent now? No, he, no, no, no. He's, uh, he, I mean, I, I, he's retired from whatever he did after hockey. Yeah. Uh, which was basically live off his investments. Yeah. He was, he was, he was a, a, you know, he worked in some kind of investment firm, I think. Huh. But he wasn't, he was never an agent. In fact, his experience with agents was terrible. It was, you know. He was the guy who Alan Eagleson sold all the money from. Yeah. But uh, in any event, no, he, right now he's just a, you know, he's a celebrity in and around Boston. Oh, I he bet. He turns up at, at various events and stuff. He's, a, he's just a terrific guy. Yeah. Well, he, um, he had uh, uh, circuit restaurant bars back in the day, and I was reading Daniel Lenoir, the great producer, uh, Canadian musician, uh, who, who produced, uh, you know, Bob Dylan and the Neville Brothers, right. and he and his brother used to play some of those uh, Bobby Orr restaurant bars. So, oh, that's funny. That's yeah. really, that's really, yeah, that's good, yeah. <laughs> See, Canada's done, Canada's done very well by American music. We owe our, our neighbors to the north a lot of really, uh, you know, a lot of props for the people they've loaned us. No doubt, no doubt. I mean, uh, Gordon Lightfoot was mo one of my first personal Jesuses and uh, maybe had a bigger influence on me than Bob Dylan uh, when I was growing up. In fact, I think if you listen to that first Gordon Lightfoot record, which is just entitled Lightfoot, which was put on about 66 or 67. I believe that was uh, the blueprint for uh, Dylan's John Wesley Harding. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. I'll, yeah. have, to listen. I'll have to give it a listen again. Yeah, it's an uh, upright bass, uh, acoustic guitar, uh, lead acoustic guitar. Yeah, I mean, if you, um, you compare the two, that, that's my... That's my little bit of mess of wisdom there for you. But let's jump over to politics here. We've got uh, Charles Pierce, one of the great uh, liberal bloggers, authors, uh, humanitarians, sports nut, and we got to talk a little bit about a Star Trek Jones, too, here before the show's done. <laughs> I was listening to a great interview on my way out here on A1 on National Public Radio uh, with one of your congressmen from Massachusetts, Seth Moulton. Yeah, he's an interesting character. I think he's... He's shooting above his pay grade a little bit, but uh, you know he's, he's you know he set himself up in opposition to Nancy Pelosi and got kicked right. pretty hard. And now he claims he's going to run for president. I liked Seth when he ran. He 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 he, he cleared a little deadwood out of the out of the delegation. Uh, I found him an interesting guy, but I think he's. He's, he, he, he has ambitions that are far beyond his abilities, I think. Yeah, although I do, I, I, I really enjoyed, you know, he was an Iraq vet. I really enjoyed his take on national security. And, uh, you know, he said something about it's not the fifth uh, century wall that Trump wants to build on the border of Mexico. Really what we have to create is the 21st century cyber wall. Uh, yeah, he's he's very big on that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how do you think it's all going to play out? I mean, what is there like twenty five dem uh, Democrats running for president right now? I mean, you can't keep track well, I mean, of them. I mean, there, you know, there are there are twenty there are somewhere north of twenty uh, candidates, both declared and undeclared. At mm -hmm. And uh, you know, I I don't know what's going to happen. I do think that the one factor that's being overlooked uh, by a lot of people who are covering the race right now is that they've moved California up in the process. 
Mm-hmm. California used to be in June. Now it's in March. Okay. And that's going to clear out a lot of the field because California, California is a is a uh, is a pri- you know it's not a primary you can run in on retail politics. You got to have money mm-hmm. to compete there. Right. And then you know it's, it's importance to, to you know Democratic politics is is beyond question. Uh, so that's going that, having that that early in the process, I think, is going to clear the field out a little bit. What uh, you know? Because uh, only people because only people with lots of money are going to be able to compete there. Right, and uh, and Bernie Sanders just pulled an eighteen million. Get, give us your take, Charlie Pierce, on Bernie Sanders. Well, I mean, I voted for him in the primaries the okay. last time around. Uh, right now, I you know I think he's. I mean, I, I, I don't know what I would do were I him, but, you know, I think for the benefit of us all, he'd be better off pointing out that uh, you know, almost the entire Democratic field is running on stuff he proposed right. and gone off to be a party elder somewhere. First of all, he's not a Democrat. Right. I mean, that's the thing that you know, that gets lost during the primaries, but he's not a Democrat. Right. You know, and he, and he won't become a Democrat. Uh, you know, he resolutely registers as a Democrat to run in Democratic primaries and then goes back to being an independent. Right. What, what does you he know, have a- That's okay to do once, but, you know, the second time around, especially especially with this particular president, uh, that's not something I can buy anymore. Right. What is the whole thing? Why, why, why won't he release his taxes? Oh, that I don't know. Uh, you know, obviously... That's a know, head-scratcher. It's because... You know, yeah, I was going to say, when people don't, it's because there's something in there they don't want people to see, obviously. Right. But I don't know what that could be. I mean, I mean, I mean the guy didn't really have an income until he was about 40. Right, right. Until he became mayor of Burlington. So, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Uh, uh, you know, I don't know what's in there that, that you know, might have something to do with, with his foundation. It might have something to do with his wife's money. Who knows? Right, right. But it's clearly something in there he doesn't want people to see. And given the, the issue that... Uh, you know, we've all made about Trump and his taxes. Right. Uh, I think probably, you know, the heat on him wasn't, the heat on him on that issue wasn't too great the last time. I think it's going to be a lot more this time. Right. Well, I think the last time I heard somebody ask me, well, Jane's still working on it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, you know, go to HR Block, dude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No doubt you could do it online, right? Um, yeah. Well, you can if you, you could screw it up online, too, I guess. Right. Right. You know, you get somebody besides your wife who may have an interest in it. <laughs> what about uh, what about the uh, Mueller report, uh, Bob Barr, et cetera? What the hell's going to happen there? Well, so you just made the sa- you just made the same mistake everyone does. It's Bill Barr. Bob Barr was the crazy c- congressman from Georgia. Who oh, that's right. Before. Excuse me. Yeah, that guy was insane. Uh, who everybody in Congress thought was passing for white. <laughs> Bernie Frank told me a great story one time that uh, that he was in the hallway, you know, somewhere in one of the House office buildings with. Maxine Waters and a couple of other members of the of the Congressional Black Caucus and Bob Barr came by and said hello and they said hello and he kept walking and one of the one of the people Barney was talking to looked at him and said, Yep, he's passing. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it's Bill Barr who's the he's kind of the Winston Wolf of embattled uh, Republican presidents. Right. I mean he was there for Iran Contra, he was there for Iraq Gate, now he's there for this. His job is to clean up messes. Right. So right. I mean they just subpoenaed the, the the House Judiciary Committee just voted to give itself the authority to subpoena the report and all the supporting evidence today. Mm-hmm. Now, they haven't done it yet, but they, now, they, now they can do it, and I think the thing's headed to the courts where it was always headed one way or another. I mean, Barr, this is a this is clearly a stonewall at this point. Right. Because that's what Barr does. Barr protects Republican presidents. Mm-hmm. That's been his, 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 his portfolio his entire public career. Right. So, I mean, it's no surprise he's attorney general. It's no surprise he's doing what he's doing. Say you brought up uh, uh, a name I haven't heard in a while. What the hell is Barney Frank up to now? He's retired. Uh, you know, he's doing consulting work and giving, you know, high-priced speeches. And yeah. He appears to be doing okay. Yeah. I uh, lives up in Maine a lot of the time. Right. Uh, you know, he's still married. He and, he and, he and his friend are still married. Uh, and he pops up on TV from time to time. He pops up on MSNBC every now and then, but... You know, he's outside. Of, I mean, he's pretty far outside the early burly, really. Yeah, but you know, uh, cool I know he did a lot of he did a lot of work for Hillary uh, in 2016. You know, the cool thing about Barney, I mean, there's so few politicians that actually have a sense of humor anymore. But Barney was one of them. And, right. You know, yeah, he was. He he was a very very funny man, uh, uh, and, uh, and a very smart guy. Right. Uh, and uh, I just. Uh, 
you know, he was one of my, I, I covered him when I was at the Boston Phoenix when Barney was in the state legislature. Mm -hmm. And then I covered his first congressional campaign. So I got to know him pretty well. Wow. Uh, he doesn't, he doesn't suffer fools well, which is, which is, you know, probably going to be the thing that stopped him from becoming the first Jewish speaker of the house. Right. But, uh, no, he's, he's fully bearded now. He's completely outside the early, like I said, he's completely outside the early burly. Cool. And now we have a Kennedy representing us in that district. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we love our friends in Massachusetts. It was Minnesota and Massachusetts were the only states that went for Mondale in 1980. So that's absolutely that's absolutely right. Yeah, uh, and. Uh, I thought, you know, I was I was very proud to have been linked with you guys. Yeah, well, and and, and likewise. Speaking of, uh, uh, if I t take a left turn here, uh, gay politicians. I, I very, I think most of us are very impressed with with Mayor Pete. Um, do you actually think that uh, the United States, which had a hard enough time trying to vote for a female running for president would run, uh, would vote for a married gay presidential candidate. Well, he's a white man. So that has, you know, that gives him a leg up on, on the female candidates. Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the media boomlet around him is really quite something. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, uh, you know, at, at, at this point, Paul, I, I'm I'm loath to say anybody can't be elected president. Right. What's happened? Right. Right. In the last three years, uh, I think you know, I think he's he's moved himself into the top tier of candidates, or he has been moved. I guess is more accurate. Right. Into the top tier of candidates, uh, he's going to get a lot of. I, I haven't seen a lot. Oddly enough, I haven't seen a lot of scrutiny in what he's done in South Bend as mayor. Right. You know, and and, and you know, mayors are the tip of the spear. Mayors mayors make enemies. Right. You know, they can't, they can't hide, you know, you can't, you know, senators can hide bad votes or, or hide bad positions they've taken. Mayors can't do that. Hmm. You know, you, if you're a mayor and, and some guy doesn't get his pothole filled, he's going to go to the newspaper. <laughs> so I suspect that as soon as, you know, reporters start wandering around South Bend and asking people, they're going to find people who have had their problems with Mayor Pete. You know, I, my dad was the mayor of Virginia, Minnesota for two terms. And, uh, I didn't know that. Yep. Yeah. A little town of 10,000. He, he got started. Well, no, I know Virginia. I didn't know your dad was the. Yeah. He got started. Uh, he was, uh, his dad ran a bar. Uh, only child uh, was raised above the bar, became, uh, involved with the school board, then city council, and then became mayor Maybe the only uh, person in Virginia that have uh, held all three positions. But I remember, uh, as the son of a politician, he would get phone calls at 6.37 a.m. in the morning from the senior high ride. My dad's name was Elder and said, Elder, I can't get uh, the uh, television's not coming in this morning. <laughs> My cable's out. <laughs> that's, that's a small town mayor. That's what he has to do. Hey, we've got to Charlie Pearson. We're going to have him on for one more segment. There's so much to talk about, so little time. But uh, hang on, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be right back. The number one source of the Twin Cities gay scene is all digital. Follow Twin Cities gay scene on Facebook and Twitter. Sign up for the Scene Shot email blast for weekly updates and chances to win great prizes. No app is needed to view the bi-weekly web editions of Scene. It's GLBTQ media for the mobile generation. Find it all at TwinCitiesGayScene.com. That's TwinCitiesGayScene.com. Hi, this is Ken Hagland, host of Living Healthy and Aging Well, inviting you to listen to our new show airing on Saturdays from noon to one, where we talk about your health and your life and provide insights to living and aging well. Each week, we provide answers to important questions regarding health care, elder care, end-of-life care, and caregiver support to help you and your loved ones plan for the future and enjoy your highest quality of life today. Please join us every Saturday from noon to one for Living Healthy and Aging Well. Get out of the cold at Burger Moe's. Burger Monday Madness happens every Monday after 4 p.m., except on Excel event evenings, where you can order any burger with fries on the menu for just $6. Burger Moe's always offers fresh, never-frozen burger varieties, as well as delicious appetizers, soups, salads, and unburgers, dogs, paninis, shakes, desserts, two daily happy hours, and 60 beers on tap. Located at 242 West 7th Street in St. Paul with plenty of free parking and online at BurgerMoe's.com. Hi, this is Laura with Food Freedom Radio, Saturdays at 8 a.m. Climate change is real, the soil's being depleted, and water's becoming more polluted. Knowing is not enough. 
time for action. Go plant a garden. Stop pesticide use. Learn about CSAs. Seward Community Co-op is going to be hosting a CSA fair all day on April 27th. Learn about innovation like organic farmer Bob Quinn, who's speaking at Common Good Books on April 8th. Or go to a barn dance in Red Wing, the Land Stewardship Project, on April 27th, 5 to 9. And listen to Food Freedom Radio, Saturdays at 8 a.m. Hi, this is Laura, and I want to tell you about my family's favorite thing. It's our wood stove. We bought it about 14 years ago from woodland stoves and fireplaces. And see, the wood stove has actually paid for itself because we can keep the main area that we live in toasty warm with this great moist heat. But more important than saving money, it has actually improved our lives. Having a fire simplifies life. It provides comfort. It sort of takes the chill out of winter. I'm Peter Solak. In 1977, I started Woodland stoves and fireplaces and I experienced the simple joy of warming myself by a fire. I also realized that the place and the way we embrace fire has evolved in a diversity of forms and styles. So at Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces, we have brought together the widest selection of our fireplace products and technical knowledge in the Twin Cities. Our mission is to use our knowledge to help you choose the design and function that is right for you and your home. Visit Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces today and find the right fire for you. Welcome back to the last set on the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metza. My guest for the whole show, the esteemed Charles Pierce. Charles, let's talk a little bit about Joe Biden. What's happening here? Uh, I hope he, I hope he's having second, third, and fourth thoughts and decides not to run. Okay. He's, the guy's missed his window. Yeah. He's, he's, he's uh, completely out of place in what the Democratic Party is right now. Mm-hmm. I know that the, you know the, the the Republicans who are opposed to Trump love him, probably because he's conser- probably because you know he's a comfortable old shoe. But yeah. it's really time. I mean, it, it, it's I mean he, he had I mean the guy's run twice before and he's run terrible campaigns. Yeah, he's an awful presidential candidate. Yeah, yeah, but his- and I think you know I think it's time for him to go to be a party elder. Yeah, I you t- know go out and campaign his head off for you know school board races and state rep races and stuff. Yeah. Well, I, I'm loving, uh, you know, we, we have a mutual uh, admiration for uh, Elizabeth Warren. I think she's doing a terrific job out there. Yeah, she's, I mean, she, I mean she's put out the most substantive policy proposals of anyone. Uh, it's just, it's so hard in, in a field like this, you know, to get any kind of traction. Right. But nobody's working harder. Uh, right. I don't know, she's done, I don't know, 60-odd town halls in Iowa. And, you know, so we'll see. Uh, again, uh, you know... I mean, I go. I, I I continually go back to the fact that California is early, right? And that early money is you know early money is is completely vital, right? This time around, what is? Uh, uh, what but do you... I do think I do think that they are going to they are going to manage to avoid cutting each other up too badly. Yeah, and I'm fair, and I'm very sure that there'll be no question that that they you know they line up behind whoever the nominee is this time. What do you uh, What are your thoughts on Amy Klobuchar? Uh, I don't know anything about. I, I don't know enough about her. I know. I mean, I know. I've seen her in action in the Senate. Uh, you know, this, this stuff about her being a bad boss. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know. I've I factored that in. You know. Right. And I and, and you know this is, this is somebody I could vote for. Right. I mean, they're all somebody I could vote. There isn't anybody there I wouldn't vote for at this point. Right. But that's not you know that's not the measure with Donald Trump on the other side of the t- of the ballot. But I think you know. You know, I, 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 you know, I think she's she's got a lane to she's got a lane to herself a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, she could straddle the, uh, you know, the conservative progressive divide. I think a little bit better than some of them can. Uh, I was very impressed by the fact that she announced in the snow. I thought that was very Minnesota. I was there. Were you really? I was there. It was incredible. It was chill. It was cold. It was, was it? it was down by the river, right? It was right on Boom Island, right uh, on the Mississippi River, and uh, the yeah. place was packed, and they had uh, uh, they had uh, hot chocolate, coffee, and tea, and I managed to park. There's a little place called the Yacht Club, a little watering hole, uh, one of the oldest uh, uh, bars in northeast Minneapolis, so I was able to get a, a parking spot about four blocks away, but it was really fun. I mean, but what was really, what I was really impressed with was the uh, two young girls that were selling Girl Scout cookies there uh, with their mom and dad. I thought that was, that's Entrepreneur 101. It was uh, brilliant. I bought a couple of Thin Mints to go. 
Charlie, but, yeah, I mean, I, I go ahead. I have, uh, you know, you know, the, the Girl Scout, the Girl Scout influence on this particular uh, race is considerable. Elizabeth Warren was a den mother, yeah. and a cookie mom, yeah. at least twice. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, so the, yeah, the, the Girl Scouts are part, but you know, getting back, <laughs> excuse me, uh, you know, getting back to Klobuchar, uh, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think you know, she's she's at the top of the second tier with Warren and yeah, and whoever. Uh, I don't put a lot of stock in polls right now because the polls all include Biden and he's not running yet. Yeah. What so there's uh, kind of, you know, I mean, there's, there's no way around the fact that that's kind of weighted. Right. What, uh, last question here with the great Charlie Pierce. Is it just me and Rick Wilson that think the, Dem, the Dems uh, overall have a messaging problem? Oh, I don't think there's any, I, I don't think they have, I, I mean, I think I disagree with Rick and I don't trust Rick, but I'm glad he's, you know. <laughs> Making the right noises right now. Yeah. Uh, no, I think they've got a message. I think they've got. You know, they've certainly got a message. Each individual ca- uh, candidate has a kind of different spin on it. Right. You know, which may look at this point, you know, it, that may look uncoordinated, but there's 20 people running. Yeah. You know, you're gonna have you're gonna have a, a you know a, you're gonna have a cacophony for a while. Right. But when it comes to settling on a message, I think you know Warren has has, has shoved the thing. Uh, to the, to, I don't want to say to the left, but, you know, shove the debate about corporate America back in a progressive direction. Right. Uh, I think, you know, uh, the Green New Deal has shoved everybody in, in, in the proper direction on climate change. Right. Uh, so I, whoever the nominee is going to have their own individual spin on all of this. Right. But I don't think there's any problem with the message. The message, number one, is not Trump. And the message, number two, is the, the system is weighted towards the rich. Right. I mean, those are, I mean, I don't know, the, I don't know anybody in the Democratic Party, who is it making those two arguments? Right. Well, thank you, Charlie Pierce, because not only do I, I love following you on Twitter and Esquire.com, but you're also my political therapist, and I always feel a little bit better after I chat with you. <laughs> Excellent. All right. We'll be back at the checkpoint soon. That sounds good, Charlie. Have uh, have a great week, and uh, look forward to meeting you one of these days in person. Thanks for Talk sharing. To you, Paul. Yeah, Bye-bye. thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. The show is produced by Paul Metza, engineered by Brett Johnson, recorded at AM 950 Studios in Eden Prairie, which is neither Eden nor a prairie. You can follow what I'm up to by my book or my records at paulmetza.com. Come out and see me play. I play every Thursday in Northeast Minneapolis with award-winning soul singer Willie Walker and sometimes Sonny Earl. Shaw's Bar, 16th in University in Northeast Minneapolis, 5 to 7.30, no cover. And if you have an event coming up or a business that would like to reach a committed and groovy audience, get a hold of me at comment at am950radio.com. And like my dad used to tell me, remember to be kind and make someone happy. In the time before the fire.